Hello and welcome to 251. This is a special edition where we're going to be talking about George Shearing because Nick has a new project playing the music of George Shearing. And for those of you who have never heard of George Shearing, um, he was a British pianist and worked in a particular instrumental lineup for pretty much all of his life. So over to you, Nick. Tell us a bit about uh, the great man himself. Yeah, so I don't have the the dates in front of me, but I think he, so he, I think that he was born, I think it was August the 13th, 1919 was when he was born. And he was born in Battersea in London um, and came from a, a really poor family. I mean, I think he was one of nine children. Um, his dad delivered coal for a living and his mum was a kind of cleaner. I think she cleaned trains at night. Um, so, you know, he came from very, very humble beginnings um, and he was blind uh, from birth, basically. Um, and uh, but I think very early on he kind of showed musical promise and and um, he went to a place called the Linden School for the Blind and I think there's actually a plaque. Um, one thing I'll keep meaning to do is I'm, I'm going to go on a little Battersea pilgrimage and go because there are still some areas. So there's this school which is associated with him and I think uh, where he was born is demolished now. It was demolished, but anyway. But there's a plaque on what used to be the Linden School for the Blind where he he he, he went to school and. Um, and that's where he had sort of first had piano lessons, I think, and um, obviously showed great promise because he was offered um, he was offered quite a few scholarships to go and study uh, classical music. Um, but in true sort of jazz style, he he turned them all down to basically play in his local pub for twenty five bob a week. And uh, I think his dad used to take him <laughs> to the pub mm. and sort of set him up, and then he just play uh, he just play all night sort of I guess popular songs and classical pieces and stuff, and then. Uh, uh, so that was his first kind of gig, and then he 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 had gigs around. I think he played played with the Am Ambrose. Uh, oh, did he play with Ambrose? Uh, well, around it must have been. Well, before he went to America, so it must have been in the thirties. Mm. Uh, must have been around. That yeah, that's when Ambrose twenties and thirties was. Now. Yeah, so he the played, Ambrose Orchestra was. Around. Yeah, he played with Ambrose that. himself. Went to America, didn't he? I, I don't know much about him to be yeah. honest, but um, I'll take your word for it. Um, uh, yeah, but then obviously um, the the big thing really that happened he. I think he initially went to America for about three months in 1946, and uh, Leonard Feather was quite instrumental in this. He befriended Leonard Feather, mm. who, if people don't know, he was a he was a musician, British musician, but uh, moved to America and then became best known as a critic. I would I would think a jazz writer, Leonard Feather, um, and um, and he was quite instrumental in helping George make the move to America, uh, apparently. Um, mm. And then he moved there full time in 1947. Um, that's when he actually moved. I think he initially went for about a three month period just to kind of test it out. And, but then he moved in 1947. Uh, yeah. And the rest is kind of history, really. He, um, I think when he moved there, it was kind of, he, New York was kind of in the midst of the kind of uh, bebop movement, really. And he kind of got involved in that. He played at Minton's. Um, uh, he, he played with people at like Oscar Pettiford um, and a lot of, a lot of the bebop kind of players around at the time um and uh yeah so but i i guess really um his big breakthrough was uh again i don't really have the dates i think it was 1949 was um september in the rain uh, so he put together this quintet yeah. with um yeah. marjorie himes on vibes um and uh i can't remember the guitarist uh, chuck wayne chuck wayne on guitar that's right yeah and um and they had this 
it was a huge hit. I mean, it sold nearly a million copies. Um, his version of September in the Rain, um, and and that really from then on, really he he yeah he became uh, a kind of a. Well, the one, I, the tune yeah. I always think of is "Lullaby of Birdland." Yeah, that's I, another big. That was yeah. I mean, him, that was the, that's the one that people know. And I mean, he wrote that um, actually. Uh, the story is that he uh, he was asked by um, the owner of, of Birdland, um, whose name escapes me, uh, Levy. Was it Morris Levy? Morris Levy. Morris Levy. Yeah, yeah. Was, and yeah. he he the idea was they were going to do a a broadcast from Birdland, like a lot of the clubs did a live broadcast. And, yeah. Um, and he um, and actually he'd written some music. Morris Levy had written some music, and he, his original idea was he wanted George to play it, but. I think George listen had one listen and thought <laughs> I can probably do quite a lot better than this. So he he um, he wrote uh, yeah he wrote Lullaby of Birdland for that. Um, but the interesting thing is that um, Morris Levy kept the publishing rights. I think they kind of came to a deal. And Morris said, "Well, you can use your tune if I can have the publishing and you have the copyright." Or yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, that is actually how publishing works: that you have a publisher. And yeah, a- sure. Sure. And, and a copyright holder, sure. a writer's part and a publisher's yeah. part to the copyright. Um, but that became probably his biggest, his biggest hit. Um, and then he really became, I mean, he was huge. And in the 50s and 60s, he was like one of the biggest selling jazz artists, along with people like Ella Fitzgerald and, and um, Louis Armstrong and, you know, the, the, the real big yeah. hitters in, in I mean, jazz. I think the, the interesting thing about his stuff is the, um, that he... He was a of his time. He was a, a a popular, you know, someone who people listened to as a popular. Yeah, thing. He, he was. Yeah, big commercial success yeah. for sure. Um, and I remember, and I, I seeing an interview with him at one time where he was being, discussing the coming of rock and roll, and um, and he got someone got got in um, a bit of a huff, and they said, "Oh, I find I find your." comments on rock offensive and he said well quite honestly i find the music offensive <laughs> to me as a jazz musician yeah it it, 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 it you know just like it offends me yeah <laughs> and that this was um i can't remember who it was he was talking to someone like wogan or whatever you know because he didn't he didn't die until like 2010 or 2011 or yeah something. it was something like yeah. that yeah 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 he lived to, he lived to quite an age i mean he's in his 80s uh yeah late 80s i think he died so um uh and uh, but that sound of vibraphone on top and guitar on bottom really and, and George Shearing in the middle mm. and of course you know we you, we need to discuss that um style of block chords that he developed yeah it was the kind of she- it became known as the shearing style really um because it was so specific really and um uh yeah i mean he uh, it's inter- interesting i've seen an interview that he did with billy taylor um the the jazz pianist where he asked him about how he came up with it. And he's quite honest in that he says that, um, well, he heard Milt Buckner. And, oh, right. and that's yeah. really where he got the idea. I mean, he's, he slightly adapted it, but it's it's basically that idea of of playing the tune in octaves and then filling in. And also he he references Glenn Miller, uh, the Glenn Miller saxophone section, mm. um, which is the same, I mean, same principle. You know, you have the five saxes and the the alto and barrier playing the tune and the, you know, the so it's kind of... Um, I think it was a it was a kind of mixture of both of those really, um, and then but I think his idea of having the vibes and guitar that was nobody had really done that before, you know, and it's, mm. it's such a sort of strong and recognisable sound really. Um, 
it's it's um it's a very much a particular thing and i, I was interested in your um when, we, when i discussed your project with you uh, that you said with all, with three essentially percussion instruments playing the tune together you have to be really careful with your phrasing yeah i think that's something that it's interesting having done the project and and actually tried to do it i mean it's one of those things you sort of hear and because it sounds so smooth when when they do it that obviously they, they you know they they would play night in night out you mm. know and um uh, but then when you try and do it uh, it's, it is difficult because because of that really because as I said it's it, if you know the phrasing has to be very precise amongst the three front line because it's very noticeable if somebody's slightly anticipating or you know it, mm. it has to be very tight um, so we did we have kind of rehearsed that quite a lot really just um, even just with the with the guitar piano and vibes just trying to play stuff together really you know um, to try and get that um. uh, uh, who who, is it Sarah Vaughan who has the fame, the mo probably the most famous lullaby of Birdland yeah, her, yes, vocal yeah, version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, she, yeah, she did, uh, and she kind of there's a little intro that she, I think, yeah, that's the famous version. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really like the album he did with Nancy Wilson. The Swingings Mutual. Yeah, the Swingings yeah, Mutual. Yeah, that's, that's that, great. And I used to do. Um, I used to do a, a, a take. Well, I did a takedown for Kai's Cats of um, the things we did last summer mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, all those sort of semi quaver things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing doing this project really is just, uh, you know, I've, I've transcribed quite a few of his quintet, quintet arrangements, and you just realise how how brilliant and how sort of detailed those arrangements are you know mm. and 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 always very very musical what he did you know although i think that's what i found quite interesting that he you know he was had that this commercial success but but it's very tasteful what he did really you know um there, it was always you know very yeah mu i can't think of a better word just musical really it all works really well it's fun to play you yeah. know um there's obviously taken a lot of time in in the ha arranging mm. the stuff so um yeah yeah well you've got gigs coming up your first one's the 13th 14 uh saturday the 14th, 14th of, january. of january we're right. playing peggy skylight which is um if people don't know it's uh it's it's a great venue it's in nottingham i think it's won for like the last two years it's won the best jazz venue mm. in the country it's, it's a brilliant venue um so we're doing that and then we're yeah we're playing in lincoln 18th of February, the Blue Room in Lincoln. Um, we're playing at the Reform Club, although we were t chatting about that, and you, you, you were thinking that might not be a public. Uh, yeah, maybe may, just, may or may not may be. May just be we, for members. Yeah. Um, but we're also doing the, the Boxford Fleece, 24th of May, and Stenning Jazz Club on the 12th of July. So we've got a few, few really nice gigs coming up with it. So I'm looking forward well, to Well, uh, yeah, put those in your diary, folks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to say about this project, or are we? Um... Not really. No. I mean, it's. I've really enjoyed it. It's been, you know, I think it's, I mean, I suppose the part of the reason I did it was I just felt that um, in, in a weird sort of way, although he's very, he's, he's well known. And even if you talk to people outside of the jazz world, uh, and you mentioned George Shearing, you know, he's known, but I feel that he, he's kind of under, in a way, he's overlooked sometimes, you know, that 
because he, he wrote so many, you know, wrote some really, really good tunes, great arrangements, but people only really know Lullaby Birdland. Maybe Conception is kind of known amongst more the jazz community. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I don't, and I don't know, I don't know quite why, whether it's, you know, I think there's something in jazz where if, if you become very, very commercially successful, you're not jazz anymore. Yeah. And, I, and, and, <laughs> and I think, you know, maybe there's something of that in it, but he's, I think. Do you know, that we hmm. should do a two five one on that. <laughs> because it is an interesting concept it's, yes it is yeah and it and i that's the only thing i can really think of you know is that he just became too too commercially successful yeah. you know but what's interesting is he as well you know and he did do some big kind of commercial albums but he always he always interspersed it with a more kind of jazz you know release as well where he would he would um record with you know he did something with the montgomery brothers um, yeah yeah he he, he so he was really interested in playing proper jazz as well as doing, you know, he did albums with strings and stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, I think he, he's, to me, he's like, Mal Torme is quite a similar character, isn't he? And I think, in fact, didn't they do some yeah, they stuff did, together? Yeah, they, they did a lot of stuff. Kind yeah. of later in his career, they, they, they teamed up and did quite a few duo albums. Yeah. But both of yeah. them were, in, both of them uh, had their um, moments, you know, of uh, uh, real peaks of jazzness, yeah. but then did other things which were less jazzy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. In order to yeah. keep working, really. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah I mean. Uh, well, I mean, as often is the case with the studio that I have, um, people start to, people come in and start making loud music because I'm hearing a bit of bass rumbling through our <laughs> microphones and things. So let, let's wrap, wrap it up and... Um, from me, Simon Whiteside, goodbye. And from me, Nick Tomlin, goodbye.